Well, good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday night Equip and Disciple Services. I'm Pastor Ben. And I'm Christian. So, hey, Christian, uh, I think tonight we're starting a brand new series. Yeah, uh, Hall of Faith. Yeah, Hall of Faith. I think it's it's based off of, uh, how many of you know what a Hall of Fame is? We all know what a Hall of Fame is, right? Well, did you know that in the Bible there's a Hall of Faith? It's actually found in Hebrews 11. And I'm so excited to hear Pastor Sheldon share as we start our series because he's going to share about the beginning of my faith. So would you join us as we welcome up Pastor Sheldon as he gives tonight's amazing message. Thanks, Christian. Pastor Ben. Sir. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited about this series because it has to do with our faith. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Now, when you have time, please read this chapter. It doesn't take too long, maybe about eight minutes. For some of you, it'll take 12. Uh, For people like me, it takes 20 because I keep reading and I forget what I read and I got to go back. Or you can go on YouVersion, which is one of the Bible apps that we use, or our church app, and let it read to you. And then you can absorb because for some of us, we're audible learners. Uh, And at the same time, uh, tonight, if you want to take some notes, you can either write it in, you're given your bulletin, or you can go on our church app, click on the bottom where it says Wednesday, and when you hit that, you're going to go to a place where it says uh, Equip and Disciple. Then you're going to go into that tab, and then you're going to see tonight's message. And when you click Notes, you're, you're able to take notes, and the scriptures are going to be there also. So if you, don't, if you have not downloaded our church app yet, you should do so. It's so good because it helps us to uh, just stay connected with what God is doing here, as well as if you're going to take notes, you'll always have it with you. And you can email it. You can send it to a friend or someone who may ask you what was church all about tonight. And you can send them your notes and then give them the link to our app also. And then they can view the video uh, online. And uh, so, so I am excited about tonight. And we're going to be talking about a thing called faith. And as Pastor Ben was saying, the hall of faith found in Hebrews chapter 11 is kind of like the prelude or the precursor to what we talked about last Uh, series, which was running your race. So all that we're going to talk about is is pointing us towards the cloud of witnesses. As it says in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and if you're here in last, uh, for our last series, that word therefore means what was before that. There's something before, therefore, which is important. So the cloud of witnesses is what we're going to be going through in this hall of faith. Now, there is controversy when it comes to uh, uh, athletes who belong in the hall of fame. But there is no controversy when it comes to who belongs in the hall of faith because God has given us a list of people, men and women, who have gone before us to kind of pave the way and give us a clear picture of what faith looks like. Now, we live in a world where there are different religions and different belief systems Uh, different ways of thinking, different philosophies. You even have nothing at all, which is kind of a belief. They believe in nothing or no God, which is atheism. They don't believe that there is a God, which poses the question, then who is it you're denying? So we are people who believe in God. And you're going to have people with different kinds of beliefs. You may even be struggling with believing in God, or you may have some of this religion, some of that religion, and you're trying to bring it together in what we call Christianity in the hopes that when you die, you'll be okay because you covered your bases. That way, that way 
I guarantee go to heaven so that if, if I believe in everything, then guarantee I go heaven. This is not the lottery. It's not like the more tickets you have of religions, the greater chance you have of getting to heaven. When it comes to faith in God, it requires us to put our belief in Him. It's not a religion that we're putting our belief in. A bunch of rules and regulations, if I do this, then I get that. It's I'm putting my faith in the hands, in the hands of God. And I'm going to illustrate it tonight in, in a couple of ways, but uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read verses 1 through 3, and then every week that goes by, we're going to uh, capture one person every week and just talk about their faith and how God looked at their faith and declared them righteous. And by their faith, they were able to uh, tackle great things and, and do amazing things because of their faith in God. But Hebrews chapter 11 gives us a, a, a foundation of the beginnings of our faith. So if you want to write a title, you can write down the beginning of my faith. Because faith begins with seeing that which was created. You know when we were born? If you have a brand new baby and your baby is just born, brand new, first week, this, this first week, first couple of months are very critical for the learning of the baby or for the baby to learn as well as for the brain to piece together what's happening and, and how, to, how, to, how to function correctly. So when your baby is born, they can't see clearly yet, but they can hear. So all their senses are being developed. And along the way, as the baby begins to see clearly, it starts to recognize faces, voices with the ears, begins to understand touch and taste. So when the baby doesn't like something, the face makes a weird uh, look. There's a weird look to the face because all the muscles contract. So it's telling the brain that no good. We still do the same thing even today. So it was learned since we were a baby. Now, as the baby, as we as babies continue to grow up, everything that we see tells us something. It's information that is deeply embedded in our brain, in our, our cognitive thinking. And so as we continue to grow up, we start to piece together some reasoning. And then when we come to an age of understanding and we see amazing things like the stars and how things were formed and God's creation, it causes us to wonder, where did this come from? It's, it's there somewhere. It's, it's in us to ask questions. That's why our children ask us those questions. One of them is, where do babies come from? And then you say, well, Heidi will explain it to you. Or you say, someone else. <laughs> you, you, but you, you, you have children who ask questions because they're trying to figure things out. Now, the same happens when it comes to faith. Some of us came to know Jesus Christ at a stage of life or at a season of life where things weren't going well because we tried to do everything on our own. We, we tried to live our life according to our standard, and then it wasn't working out. So we basically started off with, as babies, seeing the, this amazing creation that God has made and not knowing that it was God yet. We just knew that it was amazing. We see uh, flowers or we see a sunset. We see the beach. Certain things connect with us. Certain things wow us and amaze us. 
And the reason for that is because when God created, he created everything for his pleasure. But we benefit from that. So when we see what God has created, we should be in awe. We, that's why certain things fascinate you. And it may not fascinate someone else. They may, they may gravitate towards nature, but you like mechanics. You may gravitate toward the beach. Someone else might gravitate towards hunting. We all have a like in creation. We like certain things because God created us at the same time. And the reason why we have this faith is so that we would search and search and search and search until we find the creator. The problem is when we have this faith search, we think we found it when we succeed for ourselves and we feel good about it, but then when things don't work out as we would want it to or, or there's something empty on the inside, it's just, just something not satisfying, we search again. But there comes a problem when we search for everything else except for God because nothing else will fulfill what God put in our hearts and it is called eternity. God put eternity in the heart of every single person and the only way that's satisfied is if something eternal goes there and God is eternal. So when we say yes to God and we put our faith in Him, now we have satisfaction. Why? Because now the eternal God filled the eternal void. Otherwise, all our life, we're going to try and fill up what is temporary. Before I received Jesus as Lord and Savior, everything was based on what I wanted, what I knew, and, and what I saw as correct with the gamble of hoping that my decisions would lead me to greater days ahead. Like if I make this decision, this, it should work out. This should be better for me. But then in the end, it didn't. When I think about my life, just my life in general, then I used to think, before I received Christ, I used to think, I make myself. I make myself successful. I'm the one that makes the money. I call the shots. I'm the man of the house. I call the rules. I figure it out on my own. I don't need anybody's help. I make my dreams a reality. Everything was about me and everything was all in itself about me before we came to know Christ, before I came to know Christ. So everything was, it was centered around self. And then when it came to relationships, friendships, marriage, everything was about what I wanted, that if you're nice to me, then I'll be nice to you. If you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You watch my back, I watch yours. So it was, it was always about if, if this, then this. That was the relationship. It was, it was all about I wanted to control it. So if, if you, but if you betray me, then I'm done. So that was, that was the relationship thoughts. When it came to parenting, it was, I say, you do. I talk, you listen. I say, do this, and if you disobey, I bring down the law. So that was the parenting side. It was, I am right, you are wrong. See, you guys parent like me. It was, I am right, you're wrong. It's my house, my rules. That's what the thought of parenting was. It was, a, it was an authoritative role before I came to know Christ. And then, in the end, that only led to arrogance, pride, distance in relationships, 
it, it, it led to emptiness. Yeah, you, you, could, you could win at all of these areas, but it only leads to emptiness, foolishness, hypocrisy, hatred, unforgiveness, bitterness, disrespect, and ultimately, actually, separation from God. I, I looked at it this way. In my life, I had, I had me here. This is me. This is me. And so I filled my life with whatever I wanted to, and what I say goes, and so my, this is my life, and I would fill it up with, with all of me. Whatever I can do to satisfy me was all about me, and fill all of this in. But the problem is, after a while, you're limited because we're finite creatures. We can only go so far. And for many of us, we came to the end of us. And then we're, we're thinking, there has to be something more. There has to be so much more than just what I believe or what I'm going through and, and what's in it for me. And then it's like after a while, my life just kept going in circles and slowly started to crack and decay. And because of that, I found myself thinking, where do I go from here? Some of us actually call this rock bottom, that we hit rock, hit rock bottom or we hit a place in life that we're saying, this is all there is? And then we meet a Savior called Jesus. Now, here's, the, here's, here's what's so magnificent about God. When we meet God, He's bigger than us, so much bigger. This all about us, requires absolutely zero faith. Because I know everything I know. And you know everything you know. Whatever you don't know, you don't even know you don't know it, so you can't even know if you actually do know you don't know it. <laughs> so when it comes to God, it, you will need faith to believe what you couldn't believe in the first place because you don't have enough to understand what's outside of me, you. So when we talk about faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Even if you, even if you know everything you know, you, you still can't see what God is up to. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. In other words, before we come to know God, we see the evidence of his existence. We see what was made from that which we cannot see, which is God himself. And because of the faith that we have in him, our trust needs to be in what we cannot see. This doesn't work. We tried this. It just doesn't work. But when we say, Lord, I'm putting my faith in you, look at the possibilities. It's actually endless. This is just for illustrative purposes. God's, when you put your faith in God's hands, it's endless when it comes to life, relationships, when it comes to the way we think, parenting, but why is faith important? And what is it exactly? What do we do with faith? I mean, where do we go from here? There's a, a, uh, 
an animal called the African impala. And it can jump to heights about 10 feet with spans about 30 feet. But when you visit this animal at the zoo, there's a three-foot wall between you and it. And between it and the free world and probably being on the news. It's a three-foot wall. And the reason why it doesn't jump over the wall is purely simple. It's because it cannot see where its feet will land. If this animal cannot see where it's going to land, it's not going to jump. So a three-foot wall blocks this animal from freedom. It could just hop right over the wall. It has the skill. It has the talent. It has the ability. But because it cannot see where its feet is going to land, it will not jump and stay stuck behind that wall. I'm wondering how many of us have a three-foot wall in front of our faith. Because that's the whole point to faith. It's not being able to see where you're going to land and trusting that God is there with you and he's going to be there for you. Some of us have a hard time with with just the basic things in life because we have a three-foot wall of something blocking our faith. It could be our doubts. It could be disbelief. It could have been hurt. Uh, It could be a past mistake. It could be what others are saying. It could be your finances. It, It could be... It could be religion, and it's just blocking you from doing what what God sees you're able to do and become. And so hopefully through this series, we can learn that this whatever three-foot wall is in front of us, it's, it's really something that we can jump right over. We can tackle, even though we don't see what's on the other side. God sees what's on the other side. So how do we... How do we grow in our faith? How do, we, how do we connect with a God that is so much bigger than us when we just can't see over that three-foot wall? Knowing we have the ability, knowing God has the power, knowing he has the strength. How do we do this? Well, we're going to look at three things to help us in the beginning stages of our faith. Now, you may have been walking with the Lord for 30 years. You and I will still struggle with things like this. We're still going to struggle with it. Why? Because of our eyes and what we've learned all throughout our entire life. Our sight gets in the way as well as our inabilities. So we're going to look at the beginning of our faith and the basic fundamentals of faith. And here's the first thing, that faith gives me added confidence. That's what faith does. Faith will give you added confidence. Now, you might be thinking, well, why is, it, why is it additional? Well, because you already have confidence. You can have confidence without God. That's why some people say, well, how are they successful without God? Well, that means you're determining success in a different way than probably God does. However, if someone is successful because of their confidence, that's just because they're confident. Everyone has some form of confidence. But when you put your faith in God, there's an added confidence. The word confidence means the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something. It's a firm trust. It's not just trust, like, do you trust me? I trust you. No, it's a firm trust. It's saying, I believe in who you are, not what you can do. I I trust in who you are. God gives you a greater faith. 
I remember when I first started serving, I, I, my, my confidence was in the Lord. So I said yes to everything. Hey, you want to help us uh, break down? Yes, I can. Uh, you want to help us set up? Yes, I can. I can stay here all day. Hey, you want to help us paint this? Yes, I can. I can do that. What about this? Yes, I can. You want to help us fold bulletins? Yes, can do that. Pick up rubbish? Yes. Fold this? Yes, can do that. What, what about put away this? Yes, can do that. You want to do announcements? Yes, I can do that. Video? Yep, can do that. Uh, you want to help us with the sound? Yes, I can. Yeah, whatever you want me to do, I can do. Why? Because my confidence was definitely not in me. I had no skills for certain things. But because my confidence was in the Lord, I thought I could do everything. But somewhere along the line in my walk with God, then I started to trust in myself and my own abilities. And then when certain things were asked of me, I would say, ooh, you know what, let me pray about it. Let, let, me, let me pray, let me pray. Which is not a problem. We should ask God. But the prayer wasn't to say yes or no. The prayer was, Lord, help me. Can I do this? Because I don't want to look like a fool. If they ask me to do something and I do it wrong, then it makes me look bad. I got back to me again. And so I said, well, let me, let me pray about it. And then I began to learn the, the prayer wasn't about, God, my faith is in you. My prayer was, help me with me and my problems. So God says, oh, hold on, you need to shift once again because you, you reverted back to yourself. See, faith gives us added confidence. Now, of course, there is the balance to life itself. And if we say yes to everything because I'm confident, I'm confident I can help everywhere and do anything for the Lord. So 24 hours, I will do everything for God. I don't need work. I can just do everything for God. My confidence is in Him. No, you, you have an added confidence that you put into life. That's what faith is all about. It's faith in action. You're, you, you have a belief, and now you're walking that out. That equals action, uh, equals your faith. Your faith is going to help you to do the things that you normally wouldn't do under the same circumstances. And your faith takes you to places that you would never go to. But because God said so, you can. There's always going to be a three-foot wall. Everywhere you go, there's going to be a three-foot wall. But everywhere you go, God is also going to be there. That's why we put our faith in him. He gives us this added confidence through our faith. Hebrews 10.35 tells us, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Do not throw away your confidence. In other words, the Bible is saying, you have it already. You have confidence. Don't throw it away. You have it. And some of us, we're, we're, we believe in so much of what other people have said that we, we've thrown away our confidence to those people. And God says, don't throw away your confidence. It has great reward. Faith gives us the confidence to walk out our faith because our, our confidence is not in us. It's not in us anymore. It's in Him. That's where our confidence is. That's why we say in Philippians 4.13, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's not going to be us. That's definitely for sure. We've been there already. But we need Him to do the things that only He can do in and through us. He's going to give us the strength to do so. And now God gives us that added confidence to seek Him when it comes to life, to seek Him when it comes to parenting, to seek Him when it comes to serving Him. Because our confidence is no longer in ourselves; It's now in the Lord. He gives us confidence to ask for forgiveness. He gives us confidence to make things right when we did wrong. He gives us confidence to honor those where honor is due. 
It gives us confidence. I, I know for some people, they, they've gone away from church for so long, they have a hard time coming back. He gives you confidence to walk right back into your home with confidence. If you come back to church, let's just say you've been away from church for like three months. You walk back in without the confidence of the Lord. You walk in with your confidence. You're going to feel like everyone's judging you. Like, oh, they look, oh, they're looking at me. They know, they know, they know, they know. They, they don't know nothing. Just walk in with the confidence of the Lord. It's, it's His confidence in you. The second thing faith gives to us, the foundation and the fundamentals, is that faith in the Lord gives us assurance. The faith in the Lord, it, he, he gives us assurance. That's our faith in Him. And He gives us assurance. Assurance is a positive declaration intended to give confidence or a promise. Assurance. It's a promise. When God gives us a promise, he cannot go back on his word. When he gives a promise, it's set. It's ready to go. It's already, it has already been done. He's just waiting for someone to jump. It's there. His promises are there. Faith is required because we cannot see, hear, or really touch anything spiritual. If you think of the, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, you, you really can't touch it or, or, or see it. You can see it in action, but you, you can't really see or touch anything spiritual. And so you're going to need faith to walk out and put into action love and joy and peace and so forth. Because if you're doing it out of you, it's not going to last and it's not going to be genuine. But if your confidence is in the Lord and the assurance is in the Lord, then you can walk this out and you, you're going to have the confidence and the promise that God is going to bring in that power and the strength to love who you cannot love without God. You're going to be joyful when all else says you, you shouldn't be joyful right now. You're going to have a peace that surpasses all human comprehension. You're going to have a self-control that only God can give to you. That's because you're putting your faith in his hands and he's giving you the assurance that you're able to become and you're able to be who he's making you to be. And that's why for Heidi and I, I remember in the beginning when he first made the decision to come to church and, and Dr. Kyle was talking about it when it came to tithing. Sometimes I felt like that monkey that I was just hanging onto that fruit and uh, like that TV or a brand new car and I would just hang onto that fruit. And in the beginning, it was so difficult. But when God says, I'm going to give you assurance, tithing was probably the most challenging area because of my natural tendencies to mathematically and logically say, this is not going to work. This will definitely not work. How can giving my money, my, I went back to this, how can giving my money to God be beneficial? We're going backwards. We're losing money if we give our money to God. Doesn't God understand that in order for us to have more, we have to hold on to more? See, that's the natural tendency we have as human beings. It's all about us. But God says, if you jump over that wall, then now your faith is in me, not your finances. And it was the hardest thing. But once Heidi and I took that leap, then we began to understand that it wasn't about tithing. It was about our faith in God. 
He used finances for us because that was the most difficult area for us to give up. And so he challenged us. He says, if you want to put your faith in me, then you gotta, you got to give to me. And it was so hard. But we've been giving since, I can't remember, in the early 90s, and he has always been faithful. That's why we continue to give. If God wasn't faithful, do you think we would still give to him? He said, test me on this. So we tested him. He passed. We still give. It's that simple. So when we, when we said, we're going to put our faith in you when it came to tithing, that was, the, that was a, a, a great breakthrough because it wasn't about the finances. There's so much more than that. It was building our faith. It was helping us to see past the rock wall. It was helping us to see the greater things that God had in store. Finances was probably a small, tiny little dot to what God wanted to do in our life. But it was tithing that was a three-foot wall. And then it became simple. God, you are great. You, you're faithful in every other area. We trust you. We trust you with everything that we have because it was in the Lord. So you, you put your faith in the Lord and he, he gives you assurance. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us, for we live by faith, not by sight. Which is where we run into a lot of problems because we see and then we believe. We see and because of our 100 billion neurons in our minds, we, we tend to revert back to what we've seen all our life. And then it, it makes us believe otherwise. That's why faith has nothing to do with a sense. In other words, faith is a nonsense. If you try to put your faith in God by your senses by what you see, by what you feel. That's not faith. Faith is a nonsense. But it does give us assurance. And then the last thing faith in the Lord does, it gives us understanding. Faith gives us understanding. Faith in the Lord gives us understanding. Now you might be thinking, no, I put my faith in God. I still don't know everything about Him. But you know that. That's understanding enough. Just to know that God knows more than you, oh, that's a huge breakthrough for, for many of us. That's, that's like, that's good stuff. It's like, you know what I learned tonight in church? God knows more than me. Oh, your parents would be like, oh, finally. It's, it's a big breakthrough when we can say, God, you know more than me. And you might think that that's what? That's, of course that's true. Yeah, but to actually live that way is faith. We can say it all day long and say, oh, yeah, of course God knows more than us. But that doesn't mean that's our faith. Are we walking that out? I remember this one guy who he's, uh, doesn't believe in God, so an atheist. And he was challenged with the question of, do you know everything? And the atheist said, no. no. He said, are you sure? You don't know everything. He says, no, I, I don't. I, I really don't know everything. He says, okay, so if you don't know everything and this is you, could it be possible that what you don't know of, that's where God exists? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> because if, if we struggle with our faith in God, 
just ask ourselves the question, do I know everything? Because we know we don't know everything. That's why faith is necessary. Just to know we don't know begins our faith. And it helps us to understand that God gives us understanding, which means the ability to understand something or comprehension. We can comprehend. Just knowing we don't know gives us greater understanding. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 7. We, we may have heard this scripture a thousand times, but really live by this scripture. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. He's saying, don't, don't be wise in your own eyes. That's not wisdom at all. See, faith gives us understanding because this understanding is not ours. It's his. He's going to give us what we call wisdom. It's going to come from him. In fact, James 1, 5 through 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask... You must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Did you know that doubt can lead to great discoveries? But at the same time, it can also cripple the soul because we doubt when we ask God for wisdom. And it's, it's, this, is, this is our faith tested when we pray. We'll say, Lord, we pray for a job. We pray for finances. We pray for health. We pray for healing. And right after we say amen, we doubt God. It's like right away we doubt God. That's exactly what the Bible is saying not to do. You just ask God and now you're doubting. You're unstable now. So you'll pray and then Doubt. And you'll know that this has become a track record of yours is because when you ask someone for prayer and they pray for you, you go to someone else and you ask them for prayer to pray for you. And then you go to someone else and you, they pray for you. Same thing. And that's fine to have corporate prayer. But you have to ask yourself, are you asking for more prayer because you doubt God or because you want a bunch of people praying for you? And you just don't feel like things are working See, when we pray to God, he says, we're, he, he's going to give us wisdom. Wisdom means it's not on our own understanding, which tells us the wisdom that God gives is something we can't make up or we can't even find it anywhere else except from God. So if it's not working out like how you want it or in the timing you want it or the way you want it, praise God. Why? Because it's not supposed to be on your own understanding. You lean not on your own understanding. You trust in him and you acknowledge his ways. His ways are far greater than ours. We already know that. And so when we put our trust and our faith in him, then he says, I'm going to give you wisdom, understanding. We were, uh, this was, I don't know how many years ago. I was probably maybe in my later 20s. 
and uh, someone called the church and they said, hey, uh, I'm going through a, a marriage struggle. I've been married to my wife for 30 years and we don't know what happened or where we are right now, but things aren't going well. Uh, can, can I have some counseling? We want to come in for counseling. We don't go to your church, but could we get some counseling? <clears throat> and so they said, sure, we can, we can uh, connect you with one of our pastors. And so they brought it to me. And so uh, they brought this person to my office and he sat there in my office and I said, hey, I'm Sheldon, nice to meet you. And I said, so how, how, how have you been? He said, good, good. I said, you live here in Hilo? So it's just, it's like small talk, you know, how, how are things going? Yeah, you got a favorite sports team and just talking story like that. And maybe a couple minutes go by and then it became awkwardly silent. And then I, I just looked at him and I said, are you, are you okay? He goes, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just waiting. I said, okay, uh, anything I can do to help? He said, yeah, can you, can you get the pastor? And I said, what? And he says, yeah, I, I called to do counseling, so I was waiting for the pastor. And I, I didn't know how to respond. I just said, I, I'm, I'm the pastor. He goes, what? He says, how old are you? I, I think I was 27. I said, I'm 27. He said, 27? I've been married to my wife longer than you were alive. And so we kind of laughed about it. I said, and, and I was the only one here, the only pastor here on campus. And then I, I didn't say, well, I'm all you got. I just said, well, let's just talk and then let's, let's pray and let's ask God for wisdom. And, and we talked for probably a, about an hour. And then over that course of time, we, we just talked about some things, gave them some, um, just some, some steps to take. And, and basically what happened was they stopped dating. It was just that simple. Their children grew up. They were empty nesters. They didn't even know each other. And I said, when was the last time you dated? He said, dated? <laughs> we married. I said, right. But when was the last time you dated your wife? He said, oh, you know, 65. Oh. So he's going back in time. And I said, no. So you have not dated your wife ever since you got married? He said, we had kids. I said, right, but you, you, didn't, you didn't date your wife. Like, you didn't take her out on dinners and, and do what you used to do before you got married? He said, four. I said, here, this, this is where we are right now today. This is the reason why you don't even know each other. Everything was re revolving around your kids, your job, your career. Now you're retired and empty nesters. You don't even know each other. Start dating your wife again. And then he started to think. He said, hey, maybe that might be it. <laughs> I said, I know that's it. Like, apparently. So we met a couple times after that. And then I remember one day he was walking out of the office. And then he, he turned around. He looked at me. He said, hey, you know when I first came in, I looked at you and I thought, who this kid? Who this? What is, what is, this is what he said. What is he going to teach me? That's what he said. And then he said this. I've learned not to judge a person by the way they look. I said, that's right. No, I didn't say that. I said, I said, I said, I, I picked up my Bible and I said, it is not my wisdom. It is not my wisdom. I am only 27. But there are people in here who have gone through worse things than you and I. But we can gain wisdom from them. It's where we put our faith into. You put your faith in God, he gives you understanding. He gives you wisdom beyond your years. And even though someone may look at you and say, how old are you? That's inconsequential. It's how, how big is God? How, how good is God? 
How wise is God? What am I going to put my faith in? Am I going to put my faith in me again? I'm only 27. Well, now 44, but back then I was only 27. Why would I put my faith into what is so, in what is so finite? Why not, put in our, why not put our faith in a God who is infinite, beyond our human comprehension? If you lack wisdom, ask God. Now, you might have some doubts in people, doubts even in God sometimes. You may have doubt even in the, the fallibility of the Word of God. You might, you might have doubts that, well, God is not real. You may have those doubts. But if you're, if you're like me you, you, and you struggle with that, just imagine, just imagine what life could be like if you put your faith 100% in the hands of God. Because our natural, logical understanding says, if I fail here, everything falls apart. That's, that's what our logical thinking is, because our life is no longer in our hands. We don't have control over our life. When, when Heidi and I were thinking of giving to God, logical sense and understanding said, we have to hold on to more, not give more. When, when we struggled with, with understanding, forgiveness, logically, we said, wait a minute, if they strike us, we're supposed to strike back. That's logical. But faith said, no, 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 no. You forgive those who have trespassed against you. That's what, that's what faith is. Faith just doesn't make sense. It, 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 it doesn't make sense. When we put our life in God's hands, it doesn't make sense sometimes. That's what faith is all about. Our natural understanding says it feels right, and if it does, then you go for it. But living by faith says, no, no, it's your word that is a lamp unto my feet. It guides my path. So Psalm 119, 105 tells us, your word is a lamp to my feet, a, a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I want to ask you two questions tonight. When you read Hebrews chapter 11 and all the men and women in this hall of faith, the question would be, would you make this hall of faith? Do you have this kind of faith? The second question is, what are you doing by faith? Not by your own understanding. What are you doing by faith? I'm going to close in prayer. You can put away your notes and close your Bibles. What? Would you make the list of being in the hall of faith and what are you doing by faith? I'm going to call up Grayson to the keyboard. I read this one um, writing by Joseph Parker. He's a theologian in the uh, later 1800s. And, and he writes this. He says, Where men are called of God to go forth, it should be theirs instantly and gladly to obey. How dark soever or stormy the night into which they move. Life is a discipline. Shrewd men say they want to know whither they are going before they set out on a journey. But men of higher shrewdness, men of Christian faith, often go out into enterprise and difficulty without being able to see one step before them. 
the watchword of the noblest, truest souls is to walk by faith, not by sight. Faith has a wider dominion and a more splendid future. I pray that if you, you have been struggling with your faith, put it, put it where it belongs. And let's not, let's not live by sight. Let's live by faith. And let's see what God does with it. Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Lord God, our, our eyes deceive us. Our heart deceives us. But you never do. That's why when we put our faith in your hands, we can trust you. That you're going to give us understanding. You're going to give us wisdom, assurance. And at the same time, you're going you're to help us to be able to jump over that three-foot wall. These are the things we hope for, Lord. And as we learn throughout these weeks about faith through men and women who have gone before us, we know that ultimately you as our sovereign God will be there with us every step of the way. So I pray for all of us and our faith that as we put it in your hands, it will continue to grow and grow more and more every single day so that in the end we could say absolutely that we would be there in the hall of faith not because of us, not because of what we've done, but because of who you are and what you've been able to accomplish. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said together, amen. Would you welcome our Pastor Ben and Christian as they close us up? Thank you guys for being here. Thank you, Pastor Sheldon. Wasn't that an amazing message? Man, I learned a lot on that. So what did you get, Christian? Well, for me, I really like that um, Impala illustration because it immediately made me think about what are those three foot walls that are keeping me from doing what God is calling me to do? And I'm going to keep that from going, you know, from keeping me going. <laughs> I think overall what I got from the message was the biggest stumbling block in faith is me. And the moment I say, Lord, take over, I believe in you. There's a lot of stuff I don't know that you know, so I, hey, just take over. And that's where faith comes alive. I love it when it says in the Bible that even when we're, f when, even when we're not faithful, he still remains faithfulness, faithful in us. And so uh, those two questions, those are, those are hard questions. But as every week we go by, let us continue to have faith, not in us, but in who he is. Amen.